ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. When I was in high school, people called me Fuzzy. Fuzz. Fuzzamazameo. These days, I'm Fuzz. To my parents, Farzane. You know, like, Farzane, why are you doing that? To my friends, Fuzzy. So, when I meet someone who goes by different names, I can relate. Malo Lele, my name is Joey Jolene Mataele. And do you prefer Joey and Jolene together? So I use both. Most majority of our activists, they all know me by Jolene. It's yeah. only the gang at home um, calls me Joey. Okay, gotcha. That's good to know. I thought I would double check. <laughs> <laughs> Along with different names, Joey wears many different hats. Campaigner for transgender people, ladies in Tonga. Mother. Sister. Don't fall off your chair, but uh, I do have about 42 siblings. <laughs> I'm Fazadraki, and this is Days Like These. This is Joey Jolene Matale's story about family, the ones who show up and the ones who don't. And a heads up, there's mention of sexual violence. I grew up in Fasimoyafi, which is the next town to the city, to Nuku'alofa. Um, and we had the International Dateline Hotel at the front, and we were at the back of it. And you wake up and you smell the sea breeze every single time. And, and one thing I love about that home was the fragrance um, trees that we had. Because it belonged to the royal family, it had every single fragrant flower in that big piece of land. Growing up, Joey didn't just live behind a hotel owned by the Tongan royal family. She was also related to them. My grandmother is the last uh, great, great, she's the great, great granddaughter of the Tuitonga lineage. There was the Tuitonga line, the Hatakalawa, Tuikanokpolo. Um, so you're a descendant of royalty. Uh, just my grandmother. <laughs> Living in a tropical archipelago with royal connections, that's paradise. But it was her grandmother Halaivalu's overwhelming acceptance that really kept Joey warm. Well, I was definitely a spoiled brat by her, you know. And But at the same time, I was raised up in a proper way of living. And, you know, and not only that, but just the acceptance, the way that she, she accepted me for who I am. Um, even when on my first birthday, I had a dress, a ken-ken dress on and with a corsage and... You know, my hair was looked like Goldilocks uh, or Shirley Temple, rather. You know, she let me be my be myself. Apparently, I'll be dragging her pearls on the, you know, the veranda <laughs> with with her high heels, even though her high heels or her shoes were like seven size bigger than my foot. <laughs> she also inspires Joey to sing takes her to see all the latest musicals that come to Tonga 
And music fills the halls of their extended family home. My grandmother was a pianist. My grandfather was a uh, violinist, you know, and they both sing. So every single time there's always music at my house. They did the Mikado play in Tonga. And my grandmother and the late Queen Mother were the pianist during when they were doing the play in, in Tonga. So all unwary, come from a lady seminary, three rumors genius, duty Larry. Like her grandmother, Joey doesn't just want to see performers on stage. She wants to be up there herself. And throughout primary school, she puts herself forward for roles in plays and musicals. And it's there that they're staging The Sound of Music. For this one, Joey can't audition for the main role of Maria. When it came to The Sound of Music, he was really looking for a girl. All the girls were going in one by one to audition. I was literally singing from outside, from the monkey bars outside. And our form teacher turned around and opened the window and looked outside. He could hear me singing uh, from outside. But he didn't know who it was until he looked out and knew it was me. So, Because <laughs> I guess then you were still kind of presenting as a little boy. Boy. Yeah, in yeah. the playground, <laughs> just seeing this high-pitched, Maria, what, what do you think was going through his head? Uh, more like a wow. <laughs> he, he, he opened it up and said, you, get inside here. So I walked in and he said, do you know the music? And I said, yes, I know it by heart already. Can you um, act it? Out of the, you know, blue, I just turned around and said, yes, I can. They, they played the gramophone, um, the, the heroes are alive, and there I was running and singing. The hills are alive with the sound of music, you know, all in. Then I went on until the song was finished, and then he turned around and said, okay, you've got the part. So I was the Maria. <laughs> Joey plays Maria Von Trapp. And like the Von Trapp family, having a beautiful backdrop to your upbringing, it doesn't protect you from heartbreak. When Joey's 11 and about to start high school, she gets some difficult news. I had already enrolled to the Anglican um, school, uh, high school, and I went with my auntie to do my uniform, I already registered, got my classes sorted. Then back at home with all her new school gear, Joey overhears her brother in another room expressing disapproval about the school she's enrolled in. And all I could hear him saying, no, no children of mine, no child of mine is going to go to any other school but the Mormon school. And that's when my auntie, even my auntie didn't realise that I didn't know for sure. I mean, I didn't even know that he was my actual dad. So I, did you think your father was your brother this whole time? I kept thinking that he was my brother, you know, um, the whole time. And um, so, yeah, she sat me down and told me who my mother was and who my, who my real parents are. I was totally mixed up. You know, it didn't really hit me 
until I spoke to my grandmother that night. And uh, the question that I remember asking her, I say, why, but why did you have to raise me? And then she said, your, that was your mother's last wish, was for me to raise you, to please take you and raise you. That night, when Joey speaks to her grandmother, she gains a new sense of her father, but she also loses a mother. She finds out her biological mother had died when she was five months old. Literally, I was feeling lost. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, it was so much mixture of feelings and everything, you know. She's trying to make sense of this revelation and the fact that her biological father just doesn't understand or accept her in the same way her grandmother does. When I started going to, to high school, that's when I started having my ups and downs with my father, you know, because he realizes that I was totally trans or gay um, and uh, he was a member of parliament and all that. You know, he was always in the public eye and all that. And I said, hey, I can't, you know, deal with you, so just leave me alone. But in the way families are, Joey and her father remain intertwined. He lives separately to her grandparents, but she still drops by his house from time to time. I was at my dad's house. I remember I came there after school to wait for my dad to come from Parliament and for me to get money for my grandmother. And that's when it happened. At 14, Joey was raped by a man who worked for her father. And um, the second time he tried to do that, to grab me, um, I ran away. I was threatened by him not to talk um, or say anything about it until I went home. And then my grandmother saw a hint of a tint of, of blood on my school uniform, and I said, "Oh, I fell," and I just went and closed myself in the room, and I didn't even say anything. When I had a shower and scrubbed myself like there, I was I had fallen into a sewage or something, you know. I and I came back. And the next day, I felt very sick. You know, I kept making up all these excuses that I, you know, I'm not feeling too well. I can't seem to get up. Until the third day, and then she took me to my, uh, to our family doctor. And that's when she knew, uh, our family doctor told him that I was infected with SDI. Um, and then it came out. Uh, she came and said, how did this happen? Joey tells her grandmother the truth. And her grandmother then calls Joey's father and explains what happened. My father turned around and said, um, don't go to the police um, or say or do anything because, you know, it's going to put shame into his job and, you know... <sighs> And um, he said, 
you know, that she should talk to me and tell me not to, you know, stop acting like a gay person or trans or lady and all that. That's what will happen, you know. I decided, that's when I decided I'm not going to go back to school. Plus, there was just, there was a lot of harassment back at at school too. But I was able to face that, you know. I But this, I couldn't even do anything about it. You know, I felt very yucky. I felt very vulgar. I felt horrible, you know. Joey's grandmother tries to support her in any way she knows how. Grandmother kept begging me to please go back to school, and I said, no, I am not going back to school. Even this disagreement over school doesn't change the way her grandmother feels about Joey. She's with her every step, all the way, leading into church. One Sunday, I decided, oh, I'm just going to wear this dress. It's funny, that style has come back now. The pleated chiffon kind of dress in blue, bright blue, with long sleeve right up to the neck. When I walked into the car, my grandmother said, uh, what are you wearing? And I turned around and said, oh, a dress. And then she just looked, <laughs> looked away. <laughs> she said, just follow me inside. <laughs> we were like five minutes late to church that day. And just when Father was doing the welcoming, that's when we walked in. And everyone turned like, you know, they always turn, of course, when my grandmother comes in. But they weren't concentrating on my grandmother. They were concentrating on me. <laughs> on the blue pleated dress. <laughs> so I just sat next to her. The whole time I was sort of rolling my eyes, looking around, you know, who's looking and all that. So I just kept my head up high. Joey keeps her head up high and steps out into the world. At 14, she gets a job. And she's living on her own terms. I was so determined, you know, that I'm going to make a life for myself. You know, the support of my grandmother, it made made it easier for me, you know. Um, and I, when I started working, I started cleaning up bathrooms, uh, near the pool area, um, and doing housemaid, assisting the house housemaid, fixing rooms and all that. I was the number one toilet cleaner, I tell you. I, it, it's the be- best thing ever. Joey's not afraid to get her hands dirty, and she gets to work. She gets a job with the royal family at the palace, runs events and ceremonies, but above all that, She just wants to give back to her community. She eventually sets up the Tonga Ladies Association, a safe place for other women like her in Tonga. 
sometimes giving them a roof over their heads if they're forced to leave home. Tolaitis Association stands for the rights of LGBT people. Not just to educate our people, but how to live their life the way they want. We make them know that they they do belong in this, you know, in that country. They are Tongans, they're citizens, they are people of Tonga and they belong and they have a right to live in that country. Years on, she starts an annual pageant for the ladies. The association grows bigger. They give out scholarships, run educational courses, put on more events. Back to our show, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to introduce the Filitabu Boys. She's spreading the word and fighting for Tongan lady rights. You think with the 21st century, um, that social stigma and discriminations that we get every day has gone away. Actually, it's still around. Joey's recognised in the Pacific and around the world as a champion of Tongan ladies. Her work takes her internationally, and in 2002, she comes to Australia for the Gay Games, and that's where she meets Pamela Stevenson. You know, actor, writer, psychologist Pamela Stevenson. The pair strike up conversation, and Pamela even comes to Tonga a year later to visit the royal palace. I think this was her last day, and I said, hey, I need a job. She turned around and said, what job? You've got a job already. But then uh, after we spoke about it, and then she said, I've got something for you, but it's in Scotland. And I said, in Scotland? How on earth am I going to get there? And uh, she said, well, all you could say is yes, and then I will fix everything. You can come, and whatever you did yesterday for the princess's party and hosting and everything... That's exactly what I want you to do. I said, oh, okay. Next thing I know, I was in Scotland. And on the plane there, Joey starts to wonder if it's all a dream. It's exciting and surreal all at once. Just flying over Scotland, I couldn't remember. It would look so grey. Everything looks so grey from the plane, you know, um, apart from the green. But what really got my attention was the layout of the green hills and also just the, the landscape. I've always watched all these old movies about the Queen, you know, uh, Queen Victoria and... Uh, all these other classical movies about Mary, uh, Queen of Scotland, and all that. So that scenery, I was picturing that, you know, watching it, and I said, I'm actually here. Wow. And the drive to the castle took almost an hour uh, from Aberdeen, or 45 minutes, And I was just mesmerized by the 
the, the site and everything was just beautiful. And when we got, the funny thing is, I we got to the gate, I didn't even realize how big the castle was. And it took another 10 minutes to get to the main door, from the, from the gate to the, <laughs> to the main door. It was like a dream come true, you know, uh, walking into something that I felt very, I don't know, I felt very majestic. I don't know. I thought I was actually putting myself in all those movies that I was, that I've watched. And that feeling of being in a movie, well, that was definitely enhanced by the guest list of many actors and stars staying at Pamela Stevenson and Billy Connolly's castle. It had Aidan Quinn and Elizabeth Brock with their son. It had Steve Martin, Judy Dench. Joey was starstruck by some guests more than others. Especially Sean Connery and just the way he speaks and everything just melts. <laughs> Did you melt when you talked to him? <laughs> oh, I think I was more than that. What did he say? <laughs> when I first got introduced by Pamela, Pamela said, oh, this is Jolene from Tonga, from the kingdom of Tonga. First thing that came out of his mouth was that, oh, does, does your king still ride his bike and his soldiers still run at the back of him? <laughs> I said, yes, Sean, he still rides his bike. He still rows his boat and the soldiers are still running after Almost every night at the castle, there's a party and a different theme. And part of Joey's job is to help make things happen. The decorations had to go accordingly. The medieval night was done in a marquee right next to the river at the bottom of the state of the castle, the lawn. And of course, it you know the lawn r- runs right next to the um, right to the uh, river Don you know, the famous River Don, and and uh, they had the marquee there, and they had all these men in their kilt, very, looking very, you know, the, like men in the, in the medieval days, looking rough with, and standing there with torches as we were walking into the marquee. It's all happening. Joey's getting swept up in the moment. And one night, she even gets asked to sing for the partygoers. Sean Connery, Judy Dench, Steve Martin, they're all there to watch her sing. At the same time, I was still in cloud nine. You know, couldn't even believe that I'm actually standing there singing to all these celebrities. And there was a specific song that that I had to sing it in both soprano and tenor. And, um, you know, that song from La Traviata. You know, and then I had to do it in, in men, in, in both male and female voices.
right afterwards, we all sat around in a marquee outside and had port and, you know, and uh, whiskey and that, and just talked. And they said, where did you, did you learn how to sing when you were a kid? I said, no, I've never even learned professional singing at all. I just picked this up from my grandmother in some of these, especially the classical music. Um, I, I learned all of that from my grandmother. Um, and music just runs in the family, runs in my veins. Joey fits in perfectly at the castle. It's like she's born to do it. But despite its attractions, including visits from the original 007 himself, her real work is still in Tonga. Well, I went back, my, it was my niece's uh, daughter. She was, um, it was an illegitimate daughter. And then I decided, I said, look, you can't even look after her. I'll take her home and I'll look after her. And I've been with her for 19 years now. And she's the love of my life. Joey's a parent to three children. But she's still a mother to her community, paying all the care her grandmother gave her forward. But being a lady in Tonga, it's, it, it, to me, it's a, it's a beauty. It's part of a beauty that brings beauty to Tonga. You know, a lot of our, of our community always call me, oh, the queen, the queen, this, the queen, that. And I kept saying to myself, please, I'm not a queen. I'm not even a titled queen. I'm a queen of my own throne in my own home. <laughs> That was Joey Jolene Metalli. Our sound engineer was Hamish Camilleri. Sam Wicks is our supervising producer. Sophie Townsend is our executive producer. This story was produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri and Gadigal peoples. Thanks to Faleangafulu Inga Stunzna from ABC Radio Australia and Anasani Ulakai for their generous input into this story. Audio you heard in today's episode was from the Ladies in Waiting documentary, which features Joey and the Leite community in Tonga. You can check it out online. More details on the Days Like These website. If you love Days Like These, we'd appreciate it if you just take a hot minute to review the podcast on your favourite app and follow us on the ABC Listen app or wherever you listen. Good evening. I'm Helen Norville. And I'm Dale Jennings. And I'm Lee Sales. And I'm Lisa Miller. And we're so excited about the return of the newsreader on ABC TV. But even more exciting is our new companion podcast to the show. Season two of the newsreader promises more of the same newsroom power plays, complicated romances and general 80s goodness that made season one the ABC's biggest drama last year. This is a bullshit story. I feel like the way I love doesn't fit in anywhere. I knew that you were low, but I didn't think even you would stoop this low. If you're somebody who needs a debrief while you wait for the next episode, this podcast is for you. We'll talk about what's happening in the show, but also give you some context around the real 80s news events. We'll meet the creative minds behind the show and, of course, the stars. The Newsreader Season 2 starts Sunday, September 10, with this podcast dropping straight after the episodes go to air. Make sure you follow the Newsreader podcast on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a thing. That's it from us. Back to you in the studio, Dale. I'm Dale Jennings. This has been News at Six.
Good night, Australia. And we're out. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.